Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All bills all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, it's still hard to believe that we are here, the season is over, and that we're not preparing for a game, to cover a game, to watch a game, and it just ended so abruptly. But here we are, the offseason has begun, and we're here for you on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey, I've just been walking around in kind of a malaise all week, Matt, to be quite honest with you. Nice word usage. Nice word usage. We are recording this on Wednesday evening. I feel like the game against the Chiefs was a month and a half ago, and it was three days ago. Because that day when the game ends and everything's going on, and then the next couple days with locker clean out with the end of the season press conference, there are so many different things that happen within those 48 hours that your mind just starts spinning. Because conceivably, you would say, oh, it's the offseason. Things are about to calm down. Well, for a little bit they do, but not the first few days after the season has come to an end. Those are crazy. And honestly, this is just life in the NFL. This is the offseason for the Bills. There's no offseason. There's really no time where we just shut down. They're going to have to make a decision about the coordinator. Are they keeping Joe Brady? What are they going to do on defense? Then before you know it, we're going to start having conversations about free agency and about players that they're going to add, players that they're going to move on from. Then it's the draft. Then it's the schedule. There's really no, I would say, besides like mid June to mid July, there's really no off season. No, I agree with that. But let me ask you remind me, what year did you start like really seriously covering the Bills? 2015, I would say, is probably the first year when I like really started to. Now, that was not on a full, like, 
certainly a full-time basis and it it still isn't even really now i mean it's the majority of what i do sure. but i also mix in a bunch of other stuff i would shoot games start i started shooting games in 2014 but then that was it i would shoot the games i would cover practices occasionally as a fill-in but it wasn't a full-time basis so i would say really really started to cover the team in like 2017 2018 somewhere in that range i guess so that's when the drought was broken and yeah. there was a you get to the playoffs and then the off season starts for me. And it was 2011 when I came back to Buffalo, there was six years left of still the drought. We didn't know it at mm -hmm. the time. And I would say that's what's different to me though. Like, yes, I agree with you hundred percent. The off season, there's no off season. It, the NFL train never stops, right? The NFL just keeps on moving. But when you're in 2011 and 12 and 13 and 14 in those years, and by November, you know, you're talking draft. By mm -hmm. December, you know, you're completely out of it and you're playing out the string. It just feels and hits differently and it's easier to take in a lot of ways because yeah. when you get to this point and you have teams that are contending for an AFC championship and you have the kind of roster they have, and the expectations they have, and it ends so abruptly, yes, we move on, but it's harder and it feels like it shouldn't happen. Whereas it's kind of like, yeah, that's what we do. All right, let's start talking draft. You get yourself in that mindset a lot easier and quicker. In those other realms, and I don't ever want to go back there. Trust me, I I'm not saying, yeah. but it, it does hit harder now. Yeah, it does, and it hits harder too because they haven't done it yet. Yeah. If they had won a Super Bowl, if they ever win a Super Bowl, these years when they come up short, they become a little bit easier to swallow because you have that thing that you've always been searching for. You have that thing that you have been chasing for so long. And I know I've heard people say and players say that once you get a taste of it, it makes you want it even more. And I believe that to a certain extent, but I don't necessarily completely buy it because I think getting to that first one will always be the toughest hill to climb, the most monumental moment that we will ever talk about with this organization. If they ever win a Super Bowl and it happens during this era with Josh Allen, with Sean McDermott, with whatever it is, if the next season they finish seven and 10 and miss the playoffs, people are not going to feel the way they feel right now because they'll still have that one. Yep. And that's why I think when these seasons end, these seasons end, it is so incredibly difficult for people because then you start to think in the back of your head, well, will they ever get one? That's been the big question really since the season ended on Sunday night. Is the window closing? If you asked most people what's the generic big picture question about the Buffalo Bills, it's is the window closing or to the extreme, has it closed? And I think that's why people really, really struggle with these next couple weeks because they feel like, one, the Bills should still be playing. I feel the same way. And two, maybe they just won't ever do it. And that's the scary thing. And that specific question was basically asked to start off with Brandon Bean at his postseason press conference, which I want to get to. Before we do that, though, I just want to say thank you to everybody out there. We thanked everybody for watching and listening last week. Mm -hmm. Matt. The post-game podcast we did, the video cast that you're watching here on, on the South Sports YouTube channel that you're watching this one from, over 11,000, close to 12,000 views in just a couple of days. Amazing. We wish it were under better circumstances. We wish it was a party and a celebration and not a post-game. Oh, my gosh, they lost. But pretty impressive for everybody to come there, at least from our, our, from our standpoint. We love seeing that, obviously. But thank you so much. I just wanted to throw that out there and say thanks, everybody. You know what I mean?
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate everybody who follows us along throughout the course of the season. But kind of like I alluded to a few minutes ago, just because the season is over doesn't right. mean that this is going to stop. Right. We're going to be churning out stuff. And honestly, I think the offseason gives us a little bit more flexibility and creativity about sure. the things that we talk about, the topics, maybe the guests that we potentially have mm-hmm. on. Once we get into a season, we are so regimented and the schedule fills up so quickly. There is a lot more free time now. And there's also really fun things to talk about because you can have very big picture conversations about the direction of the team, about what they should do, what they shouldn't do. I remember at this time last year, well, not this time, but let's say early February, we started to just kind of dip our toes into the NFL draft waters. And that's when you first brought up the idea of them drafting a tight end. And I looked at you like you had two heads. I was like, there's no way the Bills are going to use a first round pick on a tight end. And then as we got closer to the draft, the idea started to warm up on me. And then wouldn't you know it, you predicted the future, essentially. And then that's ultimately what happened. So in a month or two, you're going to tell us what they're going to draft. I'm going to think it's crazy. And then they'll probably end up doing it. So that's kind of the fun part about all this. I don't think you'll be crazy. You don't think you'll think I'm crazy because as I'm sitting here right now, based on what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean said, I think we can get some clues that they're probably targeting a wide receiver at least to acquire and that might be in the draft. Like so right now I'm thinking in those terms. I mean, they talked about explosive plays. They talked about having more, you know, explosive plays and being able to do that. Brandon Bean did to go back to what I said earlier about being asked about the window closing. He said, I don't subscribe to that. We're not I don't lay my head at night thinking we don't have a shot next year. As long as we have Josh Allen. And, you know, the fact is they're gonna have to make some tweaks and there's gonna be some change. There's gonna be some, you know, positions where they get younger. But he he sounded very optimistic that, you know, they'll still be back here making another run at it next year. And Sean McDermott, the same thing. I came away kind of, you know, I guess happy and thinking positively about all of that. Do you, did you get the same feeling or do you think it will be much more challenging than what they let on? I think the word would be for me rejuvenated and not necessarily for me, but for the fan base and for Mm -hmm. people who follow the team and they're very doom and gloom right now. And it's understandable. Like let's start with that right away. Any season when Josh Allen is your quarterback for the entire season and you do not win a Super Bowl feels like a missed opportunity. But then to me, I start thinking about, well, one, he's still 27 years old. They got a bunch of pieces that I thought were really impressive this year, and Mm -hmm. I did not get the sense at all that they are going to try and take a year off and reset the salary cap before they continue to go for it. I, I just do not get that sense. I think that they are going to make some substantial changes. I also think it's time to do it. I think the continuity is a great thing until it's not. And it feels like this group has gotten a bit stale. They've gotten a bit old. They've gotten a bit slow. That's not one particular player or one particular position. I just think that's the way the entire roster has been built. And I think you're starting with such an important piece. You're starting with a quarterback who at his peak can play toe-to-toe with any other player in the league. Then after that, you just got to fill him, surround him with talent. And I think this year... It's going to be very much about surrounding the offense with weapons, and I think it's about time, and I think they realize that, and I think that's a really good thing for this organization. So we're going to dive into, you know, as we go along here in the offseason, the 22 UFAs, one equal rights free agent, Quentin Morris, but either way, they got 23 total free agents, and, you know, where some of the changes might come on the roster. But big picture-wise, listening to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, yeah, I think that that's a good word, rejuvenated. People can rest assured they're not going to reset. They're not going to strip it down to the studs, right? But there are some questions on not only the personnel side, but the coaching side. So let's talk about those. I think, Matt, that 
for the first time in, you know, really since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott took over, there are questions at every one of the coordinator positions. Let's take them one by one. Let's start with the offensive coordinator. Joe Brady has the interim tag. He ends with the interim tag. Glowing endorsements and recommendations from players. And even Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott said, yes, he'll be a serious candidate. He'll be a serious contender. Um, under serious consideration, I think, is the word that was used by, by um, Brandon Bean. Now, that said, they have to go through an interview process. And you also want to have respect for Joe Brady if there's other opportunities out there, which you never know. What are the chances and the likelihood that Joe Brady is the offensive coordinator come week one of training camp next year? 75%, I would Ooh, say. Wow. That, might be, that might be low for me. I, yeah. I think Joe, I, I think Joe me, Brady. I would have said higher than that, but, I, but go ahead. 75%, and the only reason I'm saying 75% is because I wonder if they're starting to look when they do their search. I wonder if a couple names pop up that maybe they didn't think were feasible, and yeah. then they ultimately decide to pivot that way. But I don't get that sense. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that Joe Brady, in his nine games where he was calling plays for the Bills, did a good enough job. I think that I wouldn't say it was spectacular, but I would say it was better than I expected. And I think that they really did show the ability to kind of have different ways to use the offense in different games against different opponents. And I think that's a good thing. I know the second half of the Chiefs game will leave a sour taste in the mouth of a lot of Bills fans, but I think that was a lot about execution more than it was about necessarily the plays that he was calling. So I think Joe Brady has earned this job. And I know that some people have said, well, just because Josh Allen thinks Joe Brady should be the offensive coordinator doesn't mean that's what should happen. And I agree with that. I don't think this is all on Josh Allen, but I think that he has a play caller's experience already. Ken Dorsey did not. So that, to me, was one of the reasons why the transition to Dorsey was not nearly as smooth as it could have been and why I don't think you're going to hit those same bumps in the road with Brady. I like a lot, I like a lot of that, and... Yeah, I think you have to at least do your due diligence. You can't just go into it with a, you know, with tunnel vision and say it's got to be Joe Brady and he's done a good job for us. They'd be doing themselves, their franchise, their team, their quarterback a disservice by not looking around, thinking about other people. Now, all of that said, I think Joe Brady's earned an opportunity here to be a serious consider uh, under serious consideration. I don't find much flaws or I don't have any holes in you know him becoming the guy. Um, if Josh Allen is long, if Josh Allen is comfortable with him, which it seems like it is, I do think that's a very important piece. Now, I do remember when Ken Dorsey became the OC when Brian Dable left. There was a lot made about, well, Josh Allen really wanted him to endorse him, and it doesn't mean Josh Allen's picking the coordinator, mm -hmm. but he's got to be comfortable with him. And it was funny to me when Brandon Bean was asked about that. He said, "Yeah, we don't care what Josh thinks," and he laughed and said, "You can tell him that." That was an indication to me. Yeah, we're still going to consult our quarterback. We don't want to get in a situation where our quarterback doesn't feel like what they're doing is right for him. So, yeah, I would say higher than 75%, but I love your reasoning and think totally, totally right that you're going to probably have to you know, look elsewhere. I don't know. I mean, do you have any names of people who might shake, shake free from this, you know, coaching cycle that you would even consider to say, you know what, if that guy's available, though, I would consider him and go after him. No, I think there's more of those people on the defensive side of things than there right. are on the offensive side of things. Agreed. Now, like Har Harbaugh just agrees before we started this podcast to become the head coach of the Chargers. I think it's a great hire for the Chargers. I think that that's a really, really smart decision. The other names out there that people have talked about are like Ben Johnson and then Houston, but those guys aren't leaving to go be other coordinators. Those guys right. are leaving to become head coaches or they're just right. going to ultimately stay put. So that's why to me, 
unless a team decides to make a move and get rid of a really, really well-respected offensive coordinator, then I, I don't just think there's another guy out there. I think there are defensively. Offensively, I don't think that's the case. The only guy I would say that comes up sometimes like this is Eric Bieniemy, because they are making a coaching change, so mm-hmm. you know he would be free. If Ben Johnson gets the commander's job, Eric Bieniemy basically becomes doesn't become the offensive coordinator. He's the offensive coordinator there anymore. Would you mm-hmm. consider a guy like that? Do you think he'd go back to the Chiefs? Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, they, they have a good thing going. Matt Nagy's there. But even if he would or wouldn't, I don't know. I, 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 it's hard for me. I don't really know. I know he did a decent job with the Commanders, did a good job with the Chiefs, obviously, but he wasn't necessarily the play caller. I'd still think that you'd lean Joe Brady in a situation like that because of your familiarity with him. Yeah, it's that's tough. That's that's a tough one because Bienemy does have a track record. Yeah, and he has had a lot of success. But then everybody gets to the well. How much of it was Bienemy? How much of it was Andy Reid? And I think more of it is Bienemy than people probably realize. But at the same time, you like what you have in Joe Brady. That one's tricky. I think I would pro. Oof. Gosh, that's hard. It's hard to say you wouldn't rather take Eric Bienemy with the track record that he has. But I think the Bills would rather have Brady. If that makes you rather have Arthur Smith than Joe Brady. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd rather have Joe Brady. And there was one. Oh, would you, would you rather have Josh McDaniels? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I I think McDaniels goes wherever Belichick goes. Yeah, probably right. And Belichick's probably going to Atlanta and then that's where McDaniels Mm -hmm. will follow. All right. What about the other two coordinators? Let's talk about them. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Matt. So offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, interim tag, question mark. Defensive coordinator. Really, the question is, is Sean McDermott going to hire somebody? And even if mm-hmm. he hires somebody, will that person become the play caller? That's yeah. kind of the, the space here. Now, I asked Sean about that at the press conference. And he said too early to get into staff changes. Mm-hmm. I feel like from the outside looking in, they did a good job this year. He was comfortable with it. And I think they might just want to go forward with that. The only way I think Sean McDermott brings someone in to be the defensive coordinator slash play caller is if he really believes he needs to spend more time being a delegator than he does working with the defense. But I don't find fault. We had a lot of questions last year, a lot about Mm -hmm. how this would work. I think it worked. Do you think that there is a chance? So Bobby Babbitt reportedly interviews with the Giants. Do you think the Bills, in order to keep Bobby Babbitt, would give him a promotion to defensive coordinator just to not, I don't want to say not let him leave, but make it that much more intriguing to stay? Because to me, that feels like the most likely outcome here, Mm -hmm. that even if it is still Sean McDermott's defense, Bobby Babbage gets to take the next step in his kind of coaching trajectory and ultimately to eventually become what he, I'm sure, wants to do is become an NFL head coach. That, to me, is the most likely outcome here. Okay, so there's a couple layers here. I'll answer your question, but I first want to say we don't know of any other team other than the Giants right now that's requested an interview with Babbage, right? Yeah. I think that's the only one that's been reported. Mm -hmm. It would first take the Giants to actually offer him the job, and I'm not convinced they would because – as much sure. as Joe Shane and Brian Dable have familiarity with them, that's a team that needs to win next year, and that's a first-time coordinator. And I don't mm-hmm. know if they would have that really want to do that. Now, let's just say they did. The answer to your question, I say yes. I think Sean McDermott mm-hmm. would consider saying, look, stay here. We love what you're doing. This guy's been amazing at what he's done as a position coach. This guy was a safeties coach, and Hoyer and Hyde become all pros. He moves the linebackers <laughs> after his dad retires. And Matt Milano becomes an all-pro. And then the next <laughs> yeah. year, Tremaine Edmonds has his best year and gets paid. And then Terrell Bernard, look at all the things he did. He's a fantastic mm-hmm. position coach. I don't know if he's a good coordinator, though. That's the only thing. And if Sean McDermott did that, then the question becomes, would he also say you're calling plays or just coordinator by title? And then Bob Babich may say, well, I can go to the Giants and call plays. Or I can say in Buffalo mm-hmm. have the title, where I'm familiar with, but not call plays. That's a really tricky situation, too. So I think there's got to be a lot to be considered here. I think that it almost makes it even more likely that it happens because then you could have that person there to take on some of the roles, but also just be focused on the stuff other than calling like Sean McDermott could still kind of have his cake and eat it too, because he could still make the play calls and maybe have a little less of a responsibility as you try and get Bobby Babbage into, you know, a larger role with the team. So for me, I think that it's obviously very likely if the Giants offer him the job, but I wonder if it just happens anyway, especially if Sean McDermott still plans on calling plays because then it's one of those good faith moves of like, hey, listen, we value you, what you're doing. What's the next step up anyway? There really isn't one. It's either he becomes the defensive coordinator or he stays the linebackers coach. Well, I know know fans aren't going to love this because all the things we said about Bobby Babbage, how great he did. I do wonder, too, though, if Sean would look at it and go, look, I mean, but I have guys higher in the pecking order. Eric Washington. I think Eric Washington might be higher in that pecking order to become a D.C. 
He's the assistant head coach. He has been mm-hmm. a defensive coordinator in this league. Sean may say, look, I love Bobby Babich. I don't want to lose him, but I'm not I'm not elevating him over Eric Washington, who's earned that right and opportunity first. Fair. Counterpoint. What pos- I, I know you know the answer. I'm just asking you this for the sake of the conversation. What position does Eric Washington focus on? Well, his defensive line is his position. What failed them in the Correct. biggest game of the year? 100% right. But I would say linebacker did too, though, by the way, because they were injured. Well, y- yeah, but I mean, right. that's like, I know on, Tyler Medikavich was in the game. At one well, we point. know that they're not thinking he's not. If, if you think that, then just fire him. Well, you don't I mean, have if to you, fire if him. You're, if, you're, if, you're, if your thought process is, well, I can't promote the guy because his position failed us at the biggest moment, then why is he even on your staff? I don't think Sean would ever think like that. I think they did enough all year and he's been with them and he knows him is work enough. This, that would not to me come into the equation, but, but I don't agree with that because the way you're saying it, it's like either you just fire him or he's getting him. I'm just saying he just keeps his job. I'm not saying you're saying one game has- should cost him a promotion. I'm saying, yeah, I think I not necessarily cost him a promotion, but like you don't have to, if he doesn't make Eric Washington, the defensive coordinator, are you really that concerned if he leaves? No, no. I'm here, more, here's what I'm here's what I'm saying. Here's let me just lay it out again. If if Sean McDermott wants to do it and he has a choice between the two, mm-hmm. I think what Eric Washington means and has done in his career and his resume have far outweighs the one game they had that he would get the nod over Bobby Babbage. That's fair, but who means more to the staff right now? Bobby Babbage or Eric Washington? And who I don't know that. Right- I don't know that. I think you. I think the track record for Bobby Babich and the potential for Bobby, like you, kind of know what Eric Wash. Uh, I'm not saying I do. I'm just. And Oliver had a career year this year. He did, and Leonard Floyd was really good for most of the season so, until the end. But also, like Von Miller did nothing, and a I lot of those guys really faltered at the end. I don't ever want to bet, bet selling him like downing Bobby Babich. I am not. I know. Saying, you I, ask I know. me who means more to the staff. I think it's the guy that is your assistant head coach. I guess means more might not be the right term. Who would you be more worried to lose? And well, I think I would, that's Bobby me, Babbage. To me, be Bobby Babbage. I'm, just, I'm telling that's, you, but it's not my call. But you think yeah. Sean McDermott thinks that way? That's what I'm asking you. I don't think so. I, I think that Bobby Babbage's career trajectory is very similar to Sean McDermott's. And like a lot of times these moves happen. Eric Washington has been in this league for a long time and established himself in this league. Eventually, sometimes you just are what you are. Bobby Babbage's entire future is still ahead of him. So I think that for their sake, you want to go with the upside play more than okay. the safer back. So, you, so let me ask you this then, on, on the heels of that. Because again, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here because I love Bob Babbage, Bobby, and if he, I would be comfortable with him. But how comfortable would you be with a first-time defensive coordinator and play caller with this team? I would in the, in the window they have. You're you're, you're okay would, with it, okay? Well, first-time defensive coordinator. I don't know first if time, I would go all first the way. Time, if, he, if it's got to be the play call, though, Bobby Babbage says you either make me the defensive coordinator, play caller, I'm going to the Giants. Well, that's the tricky part because that's a different conversation. I think that oh, if we're not, that's what I was coming from. The whole point of this, I don't care if it's just going to be in title. I don't care about that. Well, if it's in title. And he's willing to take it. That's why I'm saying I think it's more important that you keep and retain. Bobby oh, 100% Babbage. agree with you. I'm talking about actually an actual guy calling plays. 
if it's an actual guy calling plays and Bobby Babich ultimately leaves, I would be trying to get one of those other guys who are out there right now and who potentially won't end up getting coaching jobs. I think they will, but there are a lot of really well-respected defensive guys that are available right now. Now, I'm not going to like go to Belichick, right? I know that's going to be the one. Bill Belichick is not going to come be the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. But if Belichick gets hired by the Falcons, we don't know if this is going to happen. But if he does, where's Mike Vrabel going? Is Vic Fangio definitely going to Philly? Because I don't know. I'm, I'm not suggesting I would prefer this, but Ron Rivera is part mm-hmm. of that same coaching tree. And I'm not saying I would prefer this. I'm just saying, if you were hiring somebody strictly for the title and to kind of take some of the responsibilities off your plate, it to me kind of feels like a Sean McDermott move. I wouldn't agree with it, but it kind of feels like it would be something he would do. So we can get into, well, let's pick Fangio. You there's mentioned a, him. Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley could be, I think, headed to, Miami after Vic Fangio left from what I read, but who knows? He'd be out there. Uh-huh. I wouldn't love that necessarily. Um, and by the way, Vrabel, it's funny. Where does he go? You ready for this? Michigan. No, I don't know though. No. But it, no ah, he's an Ohio State guy. He's an Ohio State guy. I don't think he would. No. Um, way. our buddy, our buddy no John way. Scott actually our buddy John Scott actually raised the possibility of him sitting out a year and then going to Ohio State if Ryan Day gets fired. I'm like, ah, I could I could see something like that. Why why sit out a year? Why sit out though? Oh, really? Oh, I think it's completely possible that because then Mike Rabel could have more options next year. I mean, maybe now he just, hey, sit back, relax, do some studio work, watch the league. Sean Payton did it. Guys do it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I think absolutely that might be a better play for him than actually going to a team right now. See, I think I don't necessarily because Mike Rabel has the resume and the reputation that he could sit out a year and it won't hurt mm-hmm. him at all. But sure. I also think that if there's nothing out there go into a team like the Bills that's going to have a good defense probably just makes you that much more of an attractive candidate. Yes and no. I think you're also risking. If you go to a team and they have a down year, you're risking it. There's nothing to risk by sitting out a year. You're still the hot guy maybe next year. You know what I mean? Yeah, the other thing, the other I don't know, thing I don't know about... I can have you elevate yourself. Hold on. Before we move on, I want to circle back to the original question I asked you is I don't think we got this. What, what do you think the chances are that Sean McDermott actually has somebody new or that it's him? I actually think it's going to happen. I think we might disagree here. You think he's going to just keep it status quo and just stay. I actually think they are going to bring somebody else in. Okay. To to call plays. I want to make sure of this. I don't I I I he might have a DC. I think he's calling Mm -hmm. plays next year. I don't know. Because I don't know. I it's just a title, it doesn't matter to me. And it's just a title. It's whatever. It's a guy just organizing practice. Yeah, that's that's what I think is the most likely to happen. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I'm asking you, do you think he's calling plays next year? I do. I do. I do. I do. Is there I think we have to get off this I you you have this much more grandiose view of a guy who's a defensive coordinator without calling plays. I think it's just a just a guy organizing practice on a daily basis. Really, it's what it's doing. He's doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just talked about Eric Bieniemy, and he cut his teeth with Andy Reid. So he did. I don't know, but I don't know the answer. How many plays did he actually? I don't know because there's got to be some sort of breakdown. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? A lot of these guys do. Well, it's Sean McDermott's defense, and he's going to call a lot of the plays. But there's also situations where the defensive coordinator is eventually going to have to do something. So I feel like maybe what I'm looking for is a little bit of a hybrid 
where it's still very much Sean McDermott's philosophies and his input is very, very highly regarded. But also maybe the other guy is calling plays or making so that's some Leslie sort of Frazier. That's the Leslie Frazier model. Yeah, it's the Leslie Frazier model without it being Leslie Frazier, basically. Right. Yeah. Okay, so but I, I, mean, I just think that it's but, but to me, but Leslie Frazier still called the D. Yeah, I know. I know. Leslie Frazier had more of an input than I would anticipate their next guy having. I've gone this whole segment and I still don't think I know your answer to this question then. I mean, you you keep I don't know. I just want to know <laughs> flat out who's calling the plays next year in your mind. Sean McDermott and Bobby Babich be get, gets the promotion to defensive coordinator in title. That is what I okay. think happens. Okay. I think Sean McDermott is calling the plays next year. I think I might agree with all that. I yeah. might agree with all that because I, but, I don't think I think McDermott is the play caller. You might give someone the title and and that's fine. If it's Babbage, it's Babbage. If it's Washington, it's what I don't care who it is. That's but fine. what I, I want to be Bobby Babbage to stay. But I think the biggest question facing this team right now, though, is who's calling the defense next year, not who the guy has a title on the website. Can I tell you what I want to happen? What yes. would be my ideal situation is that Bobby Babbage does not get the Giants job. He yep. stays as the linebackers coach. Eric Washington stays and Mike Vrabel doesn't get a job and comes and does defense. Actually, what I would love to happen is Bill Belichick with all of those same things, but it just won't happen. It'll I just think from a covering the team standpoint, it would get it would be blissful. I know how difficult it would be. I think it would be so entertaining. Do you think so do you think Rivera is a part of this mix? More than I think you should be. Yeah, you're I probably do. right. Yeah, I mean the the relationship. I just don't know if Ron Rivera would want to do that at his point in his career too. Like, I'm not saying even sit out and get another head coaching job. He may never get another head coaching job. He may just say like, mm -hmm. "Hey, let's see what else I can do here." I don't know if I want to be a DC right away. You know what I mean? I've made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I've been in this league a long time. I've been a head coach at two different spots. You know, guys like that. You never know what they're thinking there. So I wonder. And then in this day and age, there's so many media platforms available for a lot of these guys to make some money anyway on this, you know, while they're, while they're waiting and still getting paid by the way, by the team, you know, that just mm -hmm. fired them. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. That's a good debate. I don't know. It's a really good debate. I think it's a great question. Then another question what, is, go ahead. What would you, what would you want? Like if you could pick, what would you pick? Not necessarily what you think, what you think would be the best for the bills. I think Sean McDermott calling the defense again is best for the bills. I think I, mm -hmm. I think he did a really good job this year and, I really, really like when I hear guys like Greg Rousseau talk about it and say, hey, he said when he's in the room with us, like he's literally explaining why we're doing everything. It makes a lot of sense, um, you know, and kind of he takes that head coaching hat off and we, we know he's the defensive coordinator. And I just think it went well this year. I think what he did for this defense through all the injuries, I think was pretty damn good. And I think that's the best scenario next year. I don't think it yeah. hurt him being a head coach. No, I don't think so either. Well, it's hard to say that because at one point they were six and six. They were. And yep. so I know that maybe it was because he had too much on his plate because of the injuries. We don't know that. Right. And they were trying to piece yeah. it together because that side of the ball did kind of fail them a few times. We know that. So it's a good question. I don't know. Another question it, is. Go ahead. I, I was going to say special teams, but I'll get to that in a second. So go right ahead. No, I was just going to say it's one of those things. I said the line on the last episode of the podcast the injuries are definitely something that played a very big factor this season. And I don't want it to sound like it's an excuse, but it did. 
Like they were so bad. And it's funny because we posted the video on, you know, our WKBW Instagram page of Brandon Bean talking about Terrell Bernard and how bad he wanted to play. And he got pretty emotional in that press conference and he was talking about that. And a bunch of the comments were like, every team is injured. Every team deals with injuries. The Bills are no different than any other team. And then you sit there and you say, well, they played the playoff game against the Chiefs without their two starting corners from their opening day roster, without Matt Milano, without Terrell Bernard, without Taylor Rapp, at times with without Balen Spector, for a little bit without Tyrell Dot. Like they were super, mm-hmm. super injured on that side of the ball. So it does make you wonder how good could the defense be if they were healthy. And to that I say, man, if if Sean McDermott had a healthy defense, he might really kind of have those guys playing the top of their level. So let's talk about special teams. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matthew Bove, Matthew Smiley is the current Bills special teams coordinator. Will he be the Bills special teams coordinator in 2024? Yeah, I think he will. And I think most people will probably be surprised by that answer. But I don't get a sense from hearing those press conferences that they think Matthew Smiley was the reason why the special teams at times struggled. He might end up being the fall guy, but like the special team struggles. Tyler Bass missing that kick has nothing to do with Matthew Matthew Smiley. Nothing. And then the fake punt. I was listening to New Heights. Do you listen to New Heights at all with Jason and Travis Kelsey? No. So it's one of the most you know popular sports podcasts sure. in the country. I was listening because I wanted to hear their take on the Bills game. And they both said, even though we don't know the answer to this, they both think that it was a check into the fake punt because there were 10 guys on the field. And that a lot was of not That have- was not the case from what we were told in the locker room. Oh, it was not. Okay. So I wasn't in the locker room. I was in the interview room after the game. Sam Martin told us when he ran on the field, he knew it was a fake. Okay. He just, I don't think he knew what fake they would run. You know Uh what I mean? Like he knew it was a fake. He, I don't think he knew how they would do it. Like that's, that's the check. But yeah, but he said to us that it was a fake. Well, so that was the, their point. And, and real quick. And for that matter, just Sean McDermott, said we weren't stopping them 
That's why we faked it. He didn't say yeah. we faked it because they had 10 guys in the field. So I guess maybe they're saying that it was a check to what they did because they were trying to get a body on a body and swing yep. it out to that side. And maybe that's what they were doing. I, regardless of what it was, I think it was a stupid decision because you have Josh Allen. And if you're going to go for it, just let Josh Allen go for it. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's strictly Matthew Smiley decision. I think that's a Sean McDermott decision. It's- especially the way he talked in the press conference after the game. Like you were in the locker room. I was in the press conference room and I asked about the decision to do it. And then I asked about why not just keep Josh Allen. And he said, you know, that's a fair point, but the element of surprise is something we were going for. I just, I I just, I don't think that's a Matthew, Matthew Smiley problem. It's not, but Matt, there were a lot of problems on special teams this year. There were, there were, I am. And I will tell you, I think Matthew Smiley, is a fantastic human being and you know, he served in the military. He cut his teeth in this league coming up under Heath Farwell. He treats all of us great. And you know what? I can absolutely get behind anyone like Sean McDermott, who says injuries hurt special teams, maybe more than anywhere because you're taking guys from special teams and putting them on offense and defense. So now you got to, you know, you have a depleted special teams unit and that's really hard. And I agree with that because they have such little time compared to everybody else to kind of get everything set in practice. So I am not calling for Matthew Smiley to be fired. I think that he did a good job up until this year where the numbers were uneven, but this is a bottom line business and they Mm -hmm. had a lot of issues on special teams this year. It started week one with a punt return against 12 men on the field against the Denver Broncos. You had missed kicks too many of them um, in what October, November bass was, for some reason, not that good. And then all of a sudden, again, in the late last couple seasons, he or last couple of weeks, he missed some as well. Um, Sam Martin was um, incredible in December. He had a bit of an uneven year before that. Uh-huh. I just think there were too many. Denver, they gave up some big returns <laughs> in that game, yeah. if you remember. So, yeah, I'm I just smi- think it all adds up. I'm smiling because as I'm sitting here thinking about Matthew Smiley, I'm thinking about the return that they gave on the first play of the game against the Patriots yes. coming back to bite them. And I'm thinking... Wow, I think that was the only return they gave up, and they got, obviously, the return from Deontay Hardy the next week against the Dolphins. It feels like an eternity ago that they lost that week one game against the Jets, and I I don't even, until you said it, I don't know if I would have remembered that they lost on a punt return in overtime. What a ridiculous game. And and in London, they had a punt partially blocked. I think there was another one earlier in in a different way. Again, I, I don't have to go through the list, and yes, Deontay mm-hmm. Hardy, that matter that was great. I just take a look at it and go, man, can you, like, if you run it back, like, those are things that really, really need to be cleaned up. It was not just one kick, obviously. No. And if you're, everything you say is super valid. I just am doing this more off of a feeling than I am off of a, what actually happened because he was pretty mm-hmm. quick to say, to kind of deter the blame away yes. from Matthew Smiley when asked about Agreed. it. And I, Agreed. that to me, that to me was more telling than I know sometimes you have to do that, but there's ways of doing that where you kind of tell us what you're thinking without telling us, without actually saying it. And I didn't get that sense for him. Like here's a good example. This is completely, you know, unrelated. But I get the sense that Gabe Davis never plays for the Bills again off of the way he talked about it, off of the way the coaches and Brandon Bean talked about it. They didn't nobody actually said it. It's just you get the sense that like, okay, that's probably a guy who's leaving. Same thing with Leonard Floyd. Probably a guy who's not going to be back here next year. And once again, nobody said that. You just kind of get the feeling of that the way they say it. When we brought up Matthew Smiley, I didn't get that sense. I got the sense that he's going to be back. Yeah, I agree with you. 
I agree about it. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say he should be fired. I just wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Sometimes mm-hmm. you look at, look at the giants. You know, I was kind of surprised that Brian Dable fired Bobby Johnson. They're very, they're good friends, but you mm-hmm. have to do that sometimes because it, it just yeah. doesn't work out. Right. And and that's what the business is. Yeah, it is. It's just, I don't know. They've had, how long has Matthew Smiley been here? Two years as the special teams coordinator? Yeah, he was the assistant before then under, under Heath Farwell. He was, yeah, he was the assistant until Heath Farwell got fired, and then now it's him. So, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just they don't have great special teams players. I, I don't know. Again, yeah, and, and again, I'll go to I think it is something to be said for when you have so many injuries in offensive defense, you have to use your special teamers, which means you have to use other guys who aren't normally in those spots sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. to be those guys. So you know, we'll see before we wrap here. Um, let's talk about some of the coaching moves. You mentioned it earlier, Jim Harbaugh. All right, here we go. Jim Harbaugh in LA taking over the chargers. Uh, is this a huge difference to you? Is that are the chargers suddenly contending with the chiefs for the AFC West? I think so. Well, not contending with the chiefs for the AFC West, but I think they're definitely now a very legitimate playoff contender. I think they were anyway, but when you've got that quarterback with some of the other players that they have, there in. You think the Bills' salary cap situation is bad? The Chargers' salary cap situation is just as bad. But young quarterback and a coach who is a very proven winner. I, I do not think that Sean McDermott should have been fired or that he should have moved on. But of all of the names out there, the guy who I think I would have wanted for the Bills is Harbaugh. Harbaugh or Ben Johnson, I would have said, are the two guys because I'm very much like a, hey, your fastball is your offense. Surround your offense with people who are smart offensive minds. Everywhere Harbaugh goes, he wins. I know people don't like him, but I think he's really good at coaching. A couple other moves. Vic Fangio out in Miami as defensive coordinator. How surprised are you? Well, it's surprising because it felt like when they got him, that was such an addition. There was so much fanfare around it. It was, wow, look at this guy that we just got, Vic Fangio with Jalen Ramsey. That, to me, was the biggest addition. I I thought Vic Fangio was a bigger addition than Jalen Ramsey was to their defense, and then their defense was decimated with injuries. But even before they were injured, they just never lived up to the expectations that they had. So now it's somebody else, if it ends up being Brandon Staley, it's Brandon Staley with a guy with the defense that has a lot of talent, but also a lot of lingering injuries that you don't know how quickly Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips and Xavier Howard, like Xavier Howard has taken continuous steps back in his career. Is he still the same guy that he once was? They, there's a lot of questions for Miami on that side of the ball. And, and can I also say that if it's Brandon Staley, like how good was his defense in LA? It stunk. Mm-hmm. I know. And the they Chargers, had talent he, there too. He's the guy he's, he's the defensive coach and, it mm-hmm. wasn't good. And I know they had injuries there too, but man, it was not good. Teams just teams were able to run on them really well. I mean, the Bills at the end of the year didn't as much, but um, the numbers weren't that good. As far as Harbaugh, as far as I'm concerned, Jim Harbaugh's a culture changer. He's gonna go in, mm-hmm. he's gonna change that culture. I might give it one year. I don't know how good they'll be because they do have to reset and they do have like issues around the roster. <laughs> I think in a couple of years, though, that's a team that's going to be contending with the Chiefs, I think, for the AFC West. If they can figure out some of that salary cap stuff, because I do think he's a good coach. I think he's a culture changer, and I think that uh, that group will respond to him. Um, another one. So who would have thought that Brian Callahan gets a head coaching job before Lou Ramaruno, Lou Anarumo out of Cincinnati, yeah. but that's the case. Remember when Lou Anarumo was the hot candidate last year, but he doesn't get mm-hmm. a job. He's the defensive coordinator, but now Brian Callahan does. He goes to the Tennessee Titans to be their head coach. 
Yeah, and it looks like they promoted their quarterback coach to become the offensive coordinator. So it's very similar to what happened with the Bills a couple of years ago. where Brian Dable was the one that got the job. I mean, he and Leslie Frazier always were kind of getting head coaching buzz, but Callahan goes to Tennessee, and now they got to figure out things with their quarterbacks coach and see how that transition goes. It, It did not go well. Spoiler alert for the Bills. And then there's Bill Belichick, who I think he's going to get the Atlanta job. But honestly, like they're still interviewing people. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Is it a bit weird to you? It's weird to me. Oh, yeah. Like the fact that it hasn't happened yet. And and they're still interviewing people. And like, I don't know. What's the holdup? Here's a guy who cannot take a year off. Like Bill Belichick's not taking a year off at 72 years old and coming back and winning the all-time wins record. It's not going to happen. Do you think that he just takes a job to take a job if he doesn't get it? Like, if he doesn't get the Atlanta job, does he just take the Carolina or Washington job just because he would rather have a job than nothing at all? I mean, I don't think Washington's going to be open to him. I think that's going to be Ben Johnson. But, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything about that. Maybe Carolina? He could. Yeah, he could do that. Carolina could yeah. be the job. Who's in Carolina? Who are they? Did Bobby Slowick, I think, is he? He's been the guy they've been. Yeah, maybe interviewing, right? The, if that's, that's the name, I that's, I can't can't yeah. remember the names maybe in that group, but yeah, I mean, there, there's some still some big things to be decided around the league here, and it's super interesting. Um, is there a way he doesn't get any of the jobs? I is guess there, that's what I'm wondering. If he doesn't get Atlanta, I feel like he's not going to get one. Well, then if he doesn't get Atlanta, and that means probably Vrabel does. Is Vrabel a candidate there? I haven't seen his name attached. Did they interview him? I, th- I think they might. I, fe- I feel like they did. I'm going to you talk. I'm going to look yeah. this up real quick. Uh, yeah, I, they might have. They've interviewed like everybody. Give Atlanta credit. Like they, Atlanta, Atlanta's doing their due diligence. And actually, yeah, <laughs> it, six I, minutes I, ago, six minutes ago, we have interviewed Mike Vrabel for our coaching position. Oh, I love it. See, I didn't. I was just sure. prog- I was prognosticating here. All right. So listen, Um, last thing. We'll get you out of here, everybody. It's Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. It is 8.51 p.m. We are oh, recording this. No. Buffalo Sabres starts uh, in two <laughs> hours. The game, Matt, is scheduled for 10.30 p.m. But what I read yeah. was, I think they're going to they're gonna honor Anze Kopitar, I think, in L.A. Yep. So it's actually mm-hmm. going to be a 10.45 p.m. Eastern time face-off. Mm-hmm. Matthew Bove, how much will you watch? Do you ever notice when I go like this off screen that I'm yawning? because I have a child. So if I ever, if you're watching the video and you see me just all of a sudden lean over, it's because I feel like it's a little bit rude to cover my yawn fully on camera. So I just do it off camera here. I will do what I tried to do against the ducks. And then I immediately fell back asleep because I was like, this ain't worth it against the ducks. What I, this is terrible sleep hygiene, by the way, my wife goes up to bed and I said, she's in bed as we speak right now, probably reading a book. I said, I am going to take a nap on the couch and set my alarm to wake up at 1040, watch the game, and then once the game is done, go up to bed. So I'm going to try and do that. All right. I don't don't know if that'll work. I am just – I have a really hard time unless I immediately – unless I sleep through the entire thing, if I wake up during any point from 1045 until 130 when the game is done – I will be thinking about what's going on in the game, and then I won't be able to actually sleep because I'll be thinking about what's happening. So that's why I'm like, I'd rather just stay up and watch it and then push through tomorrow, basically. I would love to stay up and watch it. I actually watched all of the – well, I'm sorry, almost all of the – I went to bed before the Sabres even scored a goal. There was nine minutes left, I think, when I did, and they finally scored uh-huh. with like five minutes left. 
Um, I don't think I will. To, I'll watch like the first period tonight. But part of it is, yeah. Matt, it's just because they're not good and it stinks uh-huh. and it's just it's not worth it. If if this was, I'm not even going to bring up 06 or 07. If this was like the 2011 team, 10-11, I'd be like, all right, yeah, I got to stay and watch this team, right? I mean, yeah. you're in a playoff race, you're in the playoffs, mm-hmm. whatever. It's just, it just feels different. You, it's like, eh, I don't know. Do you watch the Yankees when they're on the West Coast? I do actually watch the Yankees, but I won't stay up all the time for every inning. Sometimes I'll fall asleep watching the game, but I do try to watch as much as I can whenever they're on the West Coast. This is what I, when the Yankees are on mm-hmm. every day, the game is on somewhere in my house. One of the TVs in my house will have it on. That way, if I walk in the room, I can look at it and see what the score is and then decide if I want to kind of, or I'll, you know, keep it on and watch the whole thing maybe, but it is, mm-hmm. it's always on somewhere. I don't know the last time I watched a full baseball game on TV. I understand that. I, I don't know if I ever have. Well, that's not true, but it is. It's been years. I'm a I'm a Red Sox fan, but like not that big of a Red Sox fan. I, I casually like the Red Sox. I want them to win, but at the same time, when they lose, I have no emotion. I, I just don't care. And that's kind of an amazing way to be a fan, by the way, because it's so <laughs> different than everything else that I've ever had in my life that the Red Sox just kind of happened to get good. Kind of like, started kinda like apathetic about it, really. It's just like, eh, well, yeah. that's what I mean. It's like if they win, I'm like, wow, that's great. The team that I like wins, but I don't treat it nearly yeah. as much as most people would treat, you know, when their team is good. And then when they're bad, I'm just like, I don't care. I'm not watching the games anyway. Like I couldn't even tell you who started at every position for the Red Sox last year. And I playoff baseball is so much better than regular season baseball, but I just don't. And my brother-in-law is the exact opposite. He wakes up, they have something on MLB network where they play like yep. pieces of the entire, every game from the day before In the morning. And he like, mm-hmm. yeah, he it's like NHL it. on the fly. Ever watch NHL on the fly? It's the same thing. I love hockey, and I, that to me is even don't care, don't <laughs> care. Just I, I, I don't watch know. that in the morning. It's pretty cool. You get it. It's actually really cool. You get all the highlights and goals from the night before. So it's very cool. All right. Well, if, yeah. if people are uh, by the time you hear this, you probably already watched the Sabers game, whatever that result is. So what's your prediction? We let's see. We can hold yeah. ourselves accountable here because <laughs> we can predict this before the game, and all then right, if either of us is even remotely close, what's your prediction? Uh, Sabres lose. I'll say same score as the Anaheim game, four two. Okay, I'll say Sabres lose. Ooh, five one. LA has a good record, but they haven't played well lately. I guess so. I mean, we'll see what happens. In the meantime, we had a lot more content coming your way wherever you pod. Always game day in Buffalo. And, of course, on the South Sports YouTube channel. I want to thank Mike Rabier doing a great job producing, as always. Uh, Matt, you have a good rest of your week, and uh, you and I will catch up next week. We'll dive more into you know all the free agents the Bills have. Well, we have coaching news by the time we do the next podcast. Yes Bills or no? Bills coaching news? Yes. Yes. I don't know if it'll be coordinator news, but I think we'll have news. Mm-hmm. We'll have some sort oh. of staff news. Cool. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Talk to everybody then.